Stephen, thank you for leading us in those songs. And I love how each song that we have sung this morning have kind of told a story that leads us up to Jesus. Everything in life should lead us to Jesus. Amen? Everything in life should point to the greatest gift of all, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to take your hands for a minute, and I want to make sure you do not nod off in the sermon like coach. Go ahead and pop your fingers, pop your neck, whatever you have to do. I don't want you nodding off this morning. Coach, thank you uh, for the words and the time that we've had to reflect there in communion this morning. It was very meaningful, and I appreciate you uh, reminding us to not get in a hurry. You know, so much of life is spent by getting in a hurry. And when we do that, we miss out on something. We miss out on somebody. And at this time of the year, it's real easy to miss the most important. As we talked about last week, over the, la- over the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at some Old Testament prophecies. Some scriptures that help us and with us and our faith to be reminded of the coming of Jesus. And especially to take a glimpse of what it would look like and what it would mean to the people then. Because as I said last week, we stand on the other side of that announcement. And we, we take a glimpse into scripture and we see his birth, and we see his life, and we see his death, and his burial, and his resurrection, and through the eyes and through the lens of faith, we are called to believe on the promises that we read about, the promises that we see lived out in lives of people through Scripture. And so this morning, I want to I take us back to a passage in Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. So however you need to find Isaiah 7, if you have a pew Bible, your own Bible, your cell phone, whatever it needs to be, find Isaiah 7, and I want you to follow along with me as we read in just a moment. We're talking about this idea of Advent, which means a coming or an arrival. And it's far more than just simply marking a 2,000-year-old event in history. It celebrates a truth about God, which is the revelation of God in Christ Jesus, whereby all of creation might be reconciled to God. And I love the challenge that Coach gave us this morning. The challenge that our our one prayer, our one request, should be that all of us, especially our children, spend eternity with God in heaven. And we're on that quest. We're on that journey to see what that means and how that affects our life, not just to come, but how it affects our life right now. Because we live right now. We live in between the times. And so how will we live and what will we do 
with the life that God has given us. There's a very popular Christmas song, Silver Bells. It begins with the familiar words, city sidewalks, busy sidewalks. That picture is certainly accurate right now. How many of you participated in Black Friday? Raise your hand. Wow. I figured all the hands in this room would go up. I'm impressed. You're smarter than I thought you were. <laughs> people, people, and more people, each one on a mission, and a lot of people in a hurry, and some are bumping into each other, and few without holiday stress. And so the sidewalks of life, the sidewalks of this world, are busier than ever. But I wonder, though, to play off the title of Shel Silverstein's book, where does the sidewalk end? If the sidewalks are busy, my question is, where is everyone going? And so city sidewalks, busy sidewalks, the picture is accurate metaphorically. Some want the sidewalk to end at success. Some want to accumulate along the way. Some are just out to see the sights. Others just love being in a crowd, and still others are just hoping the sidewalks will get them home. But no matter what, the entire population are on their way to their individual destinations. They're busy, they're industrious, they're active, they're technologically savvy, they're overloaded with information, and they're still searching for significance. Well, if you go back to the time that I'm going to read about this morning, the city of Jerusalem could have been said to have some busy sidewalks around 735 B.C. It was a thriving city. It was well populated, the capital of the nation of Judah, and it was led by a king from the family line of the great king of David named Ahaz. And I want you to notice what happens in the sign that the prophet Isaiah gives the people then, and it serves as a reminder to us today about the sign of Emmanuel. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to the fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. And so now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, and so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, and as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. And then the word of the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shear Jeshub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. And I want you to say to him, Be careful. Keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remalia. Aram, Ephron, and Remalia's son have plotted your ruin, saying, Let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, they have their plan, and then all of a sudden God steps in and says, no, no, wait a minute. 
This is what I have to say about that. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remelia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Now I want to go back to that verse right there. And I want us to say that verse together. Because that is God speaking. I mean, that is God speaking in a time where he needed to speak the most. And he needed to be loud about it. Because he needed all of the people to hear what's about to take place is not good. What's about to take place is not healthy. And more than that, what's about to take place is not my plan and my will for your life And that's why he comes in and says, it's not going to take place, and it's not going to happen. Church, let me tell you something. When God says it's not going to happen, that's always a good thing, isn't it? This is God looking out for the people. From the beginning of time, before Jesus was even ushered into the world, this was God at work. And so let's read together the end of verse 9. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. You didn't convince me at all. I know you're full from turkey. Say it like you really mean it, okay? Here we go. If you do not stand firm, and so again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths, or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. It is not enough to try the patience. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's your sign. You'll catch that about lunchtime. (laughs) The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people, and on the house of your father, a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah, he will bring the king of Assyria. Praise God for the reading of his word. Bottom line, Ahaz was not a good man. Book of 2 Kings says he worshipped idols, He would go so far as to sacrifice his own son in the fire. And he goes on to say that the kings from the family of David were to produce the perfect king or usher in the golden age as they thought. They were failing miserably. And Ahaz 
was just a prime example of that failure. But I'm going to tell you this, in spite of the failure of Ahaz, listen to this, God was still at work. It's not going to happen. It's not going to take place. And so looking at the story in Isaiah 7, we find that the political situation surrounding Jerusalem was terrible. And so the nearby countries of Syria and Israel had formed this alliance and sought to conquer Jerusalem. And so God sends out the prophet Isaiah to speak to Ahaz. And his message was simply this, do not be afraid. You will not be defeated. Now, I don't know what it is right now in your life that you're going through, but I pray that through the depths of that, you can hear those words this morning. Don't be afraid. You will not be defeated. And so in rather uncharacteristic fashion, God says to Ahaz through Isaiah, why don't you go ahead and ask me for a sign? So you see, Ahaz was considering a treaty of his own with Assyria, which God did not want him to do. And so the opportunity remains open for Ahaz to go ahead and confess and affirm his faith and act as a believer. And basically God says, ask me for a sign so you can believe that I will protect you. As if what I've already done is not enough. He says, go ahead and ask me for more. And I'll prove to you, I'll show you that I'm going to be there for you. Ahaz says, no. I'm not going to put God to the test. And as pious sounding words as they are, really through the depth of it says, no, I'm not going to believe in God. I want to go about it my own way. I'm going to scheme to make a backroom alliance with the most vicious army of all time, and I'm going to strive to keep up my practices as an idol worshiper. Maybe I'll even aspire to become more powerful as a king in the process, but no, I'm not going to trust you with the fate of the city of Jerusalem. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, filled with scheming, striving, hurrying around, And in the midst of the busyness of humanity and their journey to nowhere, God makes an astounding promise. In words first given through Isaiah to Ahaz, it's a promise that frees us from a life dominated by busyness if we choose to embrace it. And so the promise... Here is called a sign. And the first thing about the sign is this. God is the one that gives it. Because through this passage, what, what the prophet Isaiah is trying to get people to understand is, this is God at work. Okay, It's not anybody else. This is God giving the sign. It's not coming from anybody else, from any foreign God or anything else. It's coming from the very one who created us. But Ahaz displays his unbelief, and regardless of what Ahaz said or did, the Lord was going to give a sign. He's going to intervene 
in human history, and it's going to be more than anyone could have ever expected because the significance of the sign went way beyond what was going to take place in the context of Jerusalem. The sign was all of God. It was all of God's doing. Here's what was going on. The sign says God is about to break through human history. God's about to break through the world, and he's about to do something and about to deliver somebody like he's never done before. Should get our attention. Should have got the people's attention then, and it did some, but some chose to follow Ahaz's way and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow something that I can't see yet. And yet, I'm looking at a room full of people today That's what we do in the church. Every day of life, we are on a quest, we're on a journey, and we're following after a God that we can't see right here. But I'll tell you this, He's at work all around us right as we speak. But sometimes we're so blinded to it because we're so accumulated and so full of everything else we can't even see the hand of God's creation and his work right in front of us. And so through his actions, he says, I see the busyness of humanity. I see their strivings and their yearnings. And I alone will give the sign. I alone, God says, I'm going to do something about what I see. Man, it's almost like if God sang you a song the words very likely might be and this is kind of scary since it's coming from Willie Nelson you were always on my mind but if you listen to the message of that song that's really kind of sums up that phrase God thinking about the world you were always on his mind Last week, we even saw at the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve and the first sin and the first humans, and they come and mess it all up. But through all of that, in Genesis chapter 3, what does he promise us? In spite of how Satan is working, I'm going to bring at just the right time, and here's a sign, here's a promise, I'm going to give you somebody, my son, that will crush Satan. Satan needs to be crushed every day, doesn't he, church? Because I'm going to tell you, he is alive and well everywhere. He's alive in our churches. He's alive in our families. He's alive in our schools. He's alive in our hearts. And God says, no, he is not going to win that battle. Whatever battle you may be facing, God gives us his son as a reminder, he's going to crush everything that Satan can ever do, can ever stand for, can ever try to tempt us with in life. And the good news is, Jesus comes as that sign, straight from God, he's had us in mind from the very beginning. He took action for you. Now, I could say he took action for Terrence, and that means the world to Terrence, but to the rest of us, 
It's not that personal yet, is it? But when I say he did that for Shane, then it begins to hit home to Shane, wow, look at what he did for me. So I want you to ponder that for a moment. Look at what God has done for you through his son. And so not only did God give the sign, but the beautiful thing about verse 14, the sign would be for all the people. Not just a select group, but it would be for all people. The word you in verse 14 is plural. The sign was going to be a promise or a gift to all the world. Only God can deliver a gift like that. Only, only God can make good on a promise like that. It reminds me of the lady at Christmas time had this circle of friends for whom she really wanted to buy Christmas presents. Time was slipping away and it was so busy at work for her that she wasn't able to get to the store to purchase the gifts. And so time's running out. So not too many days before Christmas, she decided she's going to give up on the gift idea and she's just going to buy everybody the same Christmas card and send it out. So she goes to the local store and hurriedly went through uh, the line, picked out over the stack of cards and found this box of 50. Thought, man, that, that's exactly how many I need. I'm just going to buy these. So she goes home and signs them all. It has this beautiful floral appearance on the front of the card. And she thought, that's just perfect. And so she signs every card with all my love. And so as New Year's came, as she had time to go back, she found two or three cards that were left over. She didn't send from that stack. And so she was shocked as she took time to actually read the message of the card that said this. This Christmas card is just to say a little gift is on its way. <laughs> then she was stuck with, now what am I going to do? Now, how do I confess to 47 of my friends, you're not getting anything but that card? She's in trouble. God sent a message to all people. And he says, you're getting a gift. And if God had wanted Isaiah to rhyme, he might have said this prophecy is just to say the greatest gift is on its way. The greatest gift ever given to all people. You remember over in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, when announcing the birth of Jesus, Luke writer says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so the prophecy through Isaiah to Ahaz, now listen to this, had worldwide implications for all of history. People on city sidewalks everywhere for all of time would be affected by the sign, would be affected by the promise. Because you see, and this is the message that we take to the world today, Jesus is for all people. Say that with me. Jesus is for all people. Say it again. Jesus is for all people. And most importantly for you today, he's a gift for you. You were included 
on God's list. Have you opened the present up? Have you really opened up daily all that he has in store for us? You know what really scares me to death is to get to heaven and to have God say, I had this gift and this gift and this gift for you and you refused to open it up. You refused to use it. When you get a gift in a few days, you're not just going to leave it under the tree. You're not going to put it up on a shelf. You're going to shake it. You're going to rattle it. You're going to roll it. You're going to do everything you can. And you're finally going to tear through the package to see what the gift is. You're going to open it up. And so what we have the pleasure of doing every day is opening up the gift of Jesus a little more every day. And the more that we open it up, the more that we begin to see, here's what this means, and here's how this is going to work out, and here's how God's going to continue to work in my life, and it's all because of Jesus. God's sign is miraculous. You know, how do you get the attention of a large crowd of people today? Some have tried holding up a sign some have tried just being loud. And then we live in a world today where some use acts of terrorism to capture the attention of the world. And we have seen so many devastating acts take place. All where somebody is just trying to cry out for attention. There's an old saying popularized by a perfume commercial that says, if you want to capture someone's attention, just whisper. Just whisper. And maybe that's how God is speaking to us right now. Maybe he's just whispering to us. Because maybe we're so full of everything else. Maybe he... You know, he's, he's tried to be loud. He's tried to do everything to get our attention. Maybe right now he's just whispering to us to see if we'll listen. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't think it was any coincidence that the inn was full that night in Bethlehem. The census was being taken and everyone had to return to the hometown of their family line but the city was literally full of people, hurting people, lonely people, ones with misplaced priorities. And yet, through all of that, as the prophet Isaiah speaks, God's long-awaited sign was largely overlooked by the crowds of the city. Most of the time in our life, you and I are somewhere in a crowd. But through that crowd, can we hear the voice of God? Through that crowd, can we see God alive and working? As you're in that crowd, God wants us to be at work in the things we say, the things we do, our actions, all of that. And so Emmanuel will come, which means 
God with us. Not apart from us, not distant from us, but God with us. This is who he is. Now, did Ahaz understand all of that? No. Was it all fulfilled in his lifetime? No, it was a prophecy focusing on the future, given to all people so that God could be with all the people all the time. But it came true. And here we are on the other side and we see it and we read about it. And yet sometimes we still walk away from it. Sometimes we have a hard time grasping it. And through all of that, as we stand on the other side, what God says through his son is, come to me. And you know what's amazing about all of this? Nothing changes life like a little baby. Isn't it fun to hold a newborn? Isn't it fun to see how innocent they are? Right before I got up to preach, Brian McLean's little boy was pulling on the back of my microphone. Just innocent. But he could have been proven guilty if it had broke. But it would have been okay because it was from a child. The innocence of children. Nothing changes life like a baby. Nothing has changed this world like Jesus Christ. Nothing has changed your life and my life like Jesus. But here's the deal, and you know the rest of the story. He didn't stay a baby forever, did he? He grew up, and boy, Mary had a hard time with that, just like any mom. But as he grew, he grew to be more and more in tune to his father's will. And he left us that example to do the same. So my question is, is your life noticeably different because of Jesus? Has he affected your work, your schedule, your home, your life? Has he influenced your attitude, your love, your giving, your service? According to a legend, Satan and his demons were having a Christmas party, and as the demonic guests were departing, one grinned and said to Satan, Merry Christmas, your majesty. And at that, Satan replied with a growl, yes, keep it merry, because if they ever get serious about it, we'll all be in trouble. Well, you know what? We need to get serious about it. Amen? We need to get serious about this thing called Christianity. We need to get serious about falling back in love with Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that comes to take care of everything. If you stop and think about it, for the busy and the directionless, Jesus comes and gives direction. For the busy and those that are striving, Jesus comes and says, here's my grace. Because, boy, we need it. We need his mercy and his grace. For the busy and the tired, he says, I give you rest. And for the busy and the battle-scarred, as Joanne Wood and her family are experiencing right now, 
even as scarred as they are without Tom. Man, you could sense a peace in that home yesterday with the stories they told and the faith that just rang out from the walls of that home. For all of us, Jesus comes and he grows up doing his Father's will. And just like in the time that Isaiah writes about, he speaks to our hearts today to help us realize that we need him to enter our busy world. We need him to walk the crowded sidewalks with us. We need him to sit in times of quiet with us. We need him to share his wisdom with us. We need God with us, not apart from us, because his name is Emmanuel, God with us. The people then had no idea what this promise would mean for them. And I wonder today, do we? Can we be reminded of the promise that Jesus is for us? Not just today, but every day of the rest of our life. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for sending us your son at just the right time. And Father, even today, just like we have read about years ago, there are people who try to get us away from your will. Satan tries to get us away from your will. And yet we look into your holy word and you speak to us and say that if we do not stand firm in our faith, we will not stand at all. Help us to cling to that, Father, daily. And help us to hold up the sign and the promise of your Son to a lost and dying world. We ask this prayer in the name of Jesus.